Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force, Global Rapid Rugby and the game we love. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Rugby Wrap. Nice to have your company. My name's Mick Collis and joining me as always is former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Nice to be back again, Mick. Uh, Super Rugby OU's finally finished, so we're at the point in the season for club rugby around the country now, so we're going from strength to strength. And a man who looks like he's spent the past two weeks in isolation, because he has, that's the Rugby Wrap Zone, Heath Tessman and Tess. Good to see you outside. It is excellent to be outside, and it's excellent for all of us to be together. It's the first know, time first, since the first episode. Like sunrise, sunset. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to the Super Rugby AU final, Two Truths and a Lie last week was with me, and out of shared a lift with Aussie Joe Bugner, I competed in a neutral grain Ironman race and drove from Perth to Sydney in under four days. The lie is I've never driven from Perth to Sydney. So I've Well, you had someone drive for you. No, nah, never driven from Perth to Sydney. Oh, geez, you go Perth. Sydney to Perth. I've done that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done Perth That's to right. Sydney. I never went back. Never went you back. did it once and went, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> too, too was it with you? That was with your mate Boyle. With Steve Boyle, yeah. yeah. And Stuart oh. Jenkins. Yeah, well, that's, there you go. He was on a, um, Jenko was on a sporty board, a little 250 Suzuki, and we got lost at Eastwood. And so we didn't see Stuart again until Port Augusta, two days later. Because we didn't know if he was in front of us or behind us. There was no mobile phones. But you left from Epping. Left from Eastwood, yeah. <laughs> we went to the, um, the ATM at Eastwood, and that was the last we saw him for two days. At least you, um, you had mates doing it. Marcel Brache did it. He went from Brizzy by himself, got the camper, and drove all the way back oh, to did Perth it? on one of his holiday breaks a few years ago. Oh, yeah. So That's things got weird around the Great Australian Bay around there. <laughs> That's a fair haul. So, yeah, so I've, I've shared a lift with Aussie Joe Bugner. And um, he's got the biggest head that I've ever seen. It makes skunk burgers look like a peanut. Bigger Easy. than Owen Finnegan's? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really? Biggest, Our melons the melon. Oh. Biggest head I've ever seen. Jeez. Unbelievable. Um, so the winner of the $35 worth of tea in the World Rugby's Richest Tea Giveaway is Mark Wilkin, who picked that I've never driven from Perth to Sydney. So we'll get um, that voucher out to Wilco. So well done to him. So Super Rugby AU wrapped up on the weekend with the Brumbies defeating the Reds 28-23. Now, before we get into the game... Just look at the competition. Was it a success? Oh, I think so because it was it was the best of a, what was available, and I think having the Western Force in it helped the competition enormously. Even though Western Force was none and eight, it, it still added that variety and got people a little bit excited about rugby again, which is really good. Would we have liked to have had New Zealand included in it? Absolutely, because I thought their competition was a far higher standard. Mm. Um, did it fill that hole that we all needed it to fill? Yep, for sure. So you give it a pass mark. Um, and, you know, they managed to get bums on seats towards the end and get people to 10 games, which is great. And that, I think they looked after the players from all accounts, Heath, pretty well as well. Yeah, I think I, it's a huge success just by, like, we're keeping that rugby spirit alive kind of this year. Um, and the big thing as well, making sure that um, we were... Complete but I think with this year with the rebuilding year it's a great place to start like it's a great base for us to start from and then build on that competition like it was the best it was a great competition but it was the best that we could do in a short period of time um, and I think it's only upward, onwards and upwards from there so at this stage no one knows what's happening next year but we assume it's going to be those five teams again will it like this year because there was no sport everyone was excited about it next year only five teams in a comp it's, it's not really enough teams but that's all there's going to be so will will next year will it be as well received next year as it will as it was this year yeah well i guess they've got to be careful how they pitch it and how they market it, the competition to the broader um rugby community but also 
you still don't know what the end result's going to be, whether or not there's going to be any opportunities to cross-play against New Zealand teams. So whatever we're facing, we're looking at that 10-week type period. But, you know, they really need to make it a little bit more interesting potentially between now and when the season starts around either, you know, explore the opportunities around potentially a draft or making sure that there's... There's something. There's some sort of marketing mechanism and around it that also supports club rugby that sits in behind it as well. They kind of the two competitions, club rugby. When I'm talking club rugby in general across the country, sat very separate to Super Rugby AU because of the COVID factor. If the COVID factor is still not there, it will, if it removes itself and we're able to integrate the two, then I think it's a lot more attractive for people to re-engage. And whether or not they grow that comp as well, like whether it's if they can't grow it through teams, do they grow it with? With games, so do you look at playing another round? So you're getting 15 games yep. out of your competition. They can't do too much with the final series with yeah. with just five teams no. there. But but I think Heath, like you can also like there's club finals starting to hot up all over. I think it's really important that those guys that have been involved in that competition fall back to the club system as well at some point. So they'd start start in the club system, play your representative rugby, then fall back, back to, to the it. club system, then go into the Wallaby scenario. I mean. I think if they had their time over, they might they might have had to change the windows a little bit, but it is what it is because of the circumstances. But for mine, if those guys were able to start with club rugby, that engages that community rugby sector, play their rep stuff, and then fall back to club rugby so that the finals gets plenty of exposure, mm-hmm. and those guys get to play for their clubs in finals as well, yeah. and then go into the Wallaby season after that, I reckon would be pretty good. Will you get clubs kicking up a stink if... If a club that's going okay gets three Super Rugby players back coming to that semi-final series, will the other clubs that don't get that kick up a stink? Oh, Sydney Uni's been doing it for years. What are you talking about? At <laughs> <laughs> one stage, they used to get half the Wallaby team back to play from. And that was, they were going in second grade. <laughs> yeah, they got, yeah, yeah, all the Australian schoolboys had to go to second and third grade. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, look, I think it is what it is. Is, is, if the, is the, that's why I think it's important that those guys start with the club if they're not yeah, starting yeah. with the club at the start of the season and coming at the back end I think it's a problem but if they've played a few you know a small handful of games at the start of the season um, as part of their preparation going into the competition I think it's more palatable when they come back and Tess how, how did you end up at Nidlands like how, how did they divvy up the players um, I ended up at Nidlands actually before they even started divvying guys up so when I came here it was just, I, I played with um, another guy I used to play here at the Force, Paddy Dellett. We played together for a club in Sydney, East. Mm. Um, and when I moved over here, uh, he was the only uh, Western Force player playing for them. So he said, yep. mate, come on down. And I said, yeah, I'm one of your closest mates. I'm living in the area here as well. So it was just it was just through that. It was through that word of mouth and referral. Referral, right. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't through Murray McLean's <laughs> instant <laughs> stat scaffold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found out about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since. Might need to call it. Yeah, you're looking for a job, Mars. Get in contact with Heath. <laughs> By the rugby wrap on Twitter. So to the game um, last week, the Super Rugby final, Brumbies defeating the Reds. Overall, what do you think of the game? Uh, look, I, I thought it was a it was a good contest. I thought the Reds were very disappointing. I thought the Brumbies played as well as they're going to play, and they have played all year. As far as just being um, sticking to their game plan sticking to their systems, um, going to their strengths. And, you know, they played the referee really well as, as well. Um, and so they obviously prepared really well for that game and, and then were able to execute. 
they, they nearly stuffed it up and I think they, they froze a little bit in those last 15 minutes where they let the Reds back in rather than close the game out. But the Reds, for mine, they had their opportunities all the way through that game. They didn't start well and they didn't finish well. And they made, you know, their execution was off, their discipline was off and then their decision-making was off and that's what cost them the final. And, it, you know, those the three big things and mm. they only lost by five points. So... For mine, um, yeah, the Brumbies were the deserved winners, and it just goes. And they play consistent football throughout the whole competition, including the pre-Super Rugby, AU Super Rugby. They were consistent there as well. So, probably the better team won. Bit of a home advantage, I reckon. And that week off probably did them well. Um, and some interesting selections really paid off for Coach Dan McKellar as well. Because mm. looking at the game, if you if you kind of weren't watching the scoreboard, but you're watching the game, it for me it, it seemed like about forty to eleven. Yeah, to the Brumbies. But, it did. but the Reds, they just wouldn't go away. And the Brumbies just kept letting them get within like a try and they were back in that game. And that, that's a real credit to what like Brad Thorne is, is doing with that young group. Like he, He's copped a bit of flack over the last few years for how much he's invested in that youth. But as much as you know, some of the youth might have got them into trouble, it was the fact that they were such a tight-knit group that they wouldn't go away, that the Brumbies couldn't really shut them out. Because that was... I was thinking the same thing. With 30 minutes ago, I thought the Brumbies were going to win by 30 points. Mm. Uh, especially as soon as there was that yellow card out yep. there, and um, but they were, yeah they just they stuck tight and they just yeah they were just a resilient mob and they wouldn't go away. And when you got a guy um, like that Dan Gurnu who got the yellow card, if you're a player and your teammate does something that dumb, like what do you do? Do you, does anyone speak to him and say? Oh. Because that, 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 everyone knows that really. You lift above the hips and it's a yellow card. Yeah. And he oh, lifted above the hips. I don't know. I reckon McCaffrey jumped into that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he was on his way and he did a little bit of a hop to flip himself over there. But And, yeah. and I think that's part of the, you know, in the, in the when you've got your razzle levels up and then you run around you're trying to whack blokes and all, just, all that sort of stuff, that's going to happen from time to time. And he, his defence has improved remarkably this year Duggan so he's just made a mistake and as simple as that I mean for mine I'd be more critical of a guy like Tanela Tupu who was trying to put shots on the all game, oh, yeah, all game and was missing, missing. blokes yeah. left right and centre and you're going ah, I reckon that's more costly than yeah. a guy actually like pulling, off brain a, fart. pulling off a great shot and yeah. actually hooking a leg and getting caught out on it and I think but, that's probably where the, the, the youth of the Reds maybe cost them a little bit because they didn't have anyone to just be out there and say let's yeah. just Slow it down, Come like up. especially with especially in their forward pack, particularly like um, they have got a pretty young, a young group there. Maybe just someone being able to say, let's just you know we're we're close here. We don't need to do too much. We don't need to do, you know, twenty percent more. We only just need to stay at what we're doing, and we're going to come over the top of them. But yeah, they just that those arousal levels, like we mentioned, just kind of yeah, they push them up a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and the Brumbies only bought us once with a try from a lineout. We <laughs> tried a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, we did try they a couple. <laughs> No, they didn't. It wouldn't be a Brumbies game without Flowerfinger getting a push out, a drive over try, a rolling wall try. But it looked it looked legal that one. It did look legal. There was no. I mean, there was questions around where the guys, where all the backs ran in and joined the the mall. I mean, a back wouldn't know where they got to join the mall anyway. Yeah, they get a bit of leeway anyway. Yeah, but whether or not they joined from the last feet and blah blah blah. But it looked all right. Dave Moffat would have um, penalised them. Yeah, with that ball at the back. Yeah, and the line out. Um, BPA, I mean, Queensland line-out wasn't good. Who's, was that someone's fault or was that the Brumbies nullifying Queensland's line-out? I think, I think that was a big part of it. I think they did their homework really well and especially with having that extra week 
like you know that you've only got one game to really focus on to finish off. You've, they've played the opposition twice already, so they already have done a lot of work on on what they're bringing at line out time. So they were able to really focus on on that, and I think that was a big part of it. And then it's when you get that perceived pressure in a game where okay, these this opposition's right in our window. They're really close to to stealing balls. That's when you might start going away from what actually is working for you well and. And that hookers can have that perceived pressure as well. I've got to, you know, mm. I've got to get that up a little bit more. And all of a sudden, we're overthrowing. Um, we're calling to spaces. Line out calls, corner space, where they don't usually call, just to because of that perceived pressure. I think the Brumbies did a were a big part of of um, putting that pressure on the Reds at line out time. And as a hooker, do you, if a few go pear shaped, do you do you really feel the pressure? Oh yeah. Absolutely, and it's something that I've only like. Oh, geez, I watched some of the games when I was younger, and I threw some of the worst lines we've seen in your life. But uh, for me, it was it was just a big mental thing. Like it's just knowing you've just got to be able to go back to your mark and say, "Well, you know, I, it'd be, it's similar, something similar to like a goal kicker if they shank one out there. Like you know, you've done this thousands yep. of times before. Go back to your just system. trust your call. Yeah, and it's having that good connection with your line out caller as well. So. Like, I'd be able to, as we'd walk in with, with Thrushy there, I could probably stand there and say, oh, look, we're probably looking at two or three line-outs here. Like, I know it's going to be this call, this call, yeah. or this call, just from how oppositions are marking up. So that helps you yeah. be able to narrow it down. Um, and it's just giving that belief back to, to your line-out caller as well because, you know, if you, if you muff a line-out, then, well, he's going to be questioning himself, well, yeah, shit, can I, do I want to call it back here? All of a sudden, we're only going to be able to call to yeah. the front half of the line-out. So it's reassuring him that you know you're in control well, still as well. Control. Don't worry, you don't have to change it. It was just you know it was just a poor throw. Next time I'll get it right. And at twenty eight twenty three, with about ten minutes to go, Queensland got a penalty. Five. It was five, five minutes, minutes to go. go. And I reckon, yeah, that was was a, that a, was that their blunder. chance? Did they throw it away then? Yeah, I reckon. If you see so many games, one in the last few minutes with a penalty, all they had to do is knock that over, get within striking distance take the kick off, work it back down the field, get another penalty and they win the game and they go to a line-out that they were winning 50% yeah, on. And it's lost probably it. not the greatest call yeah. that Liam Wright's probably ever made. But if if they've got the mentality that that's, that's what they're doing and that's what they're going to back themselves all year long doing, then fair enough. Like the Brumbies, for example, you'd probably expect them to go to the sideline. Yeah. But they're taking the points all game long through yeah. O'Connor. So just stick with that. Mm. And, and chance your hand in the last two or three minutes. They had the players that could make a breakout gap, get a penalty, and O'Connor's, O'Connor was kicking pretty well. Yeah. And, so that's, and that's how they'd stay in touch. Yeah. Like, yeah. It yeah. Got to that point. Kept the scoreboard ticking out. Mm-hmm. You, you take the ball, you've still got five minutes left, you knock that over, kick it back down the other field. You've got guys like Fraser McWright and, and Liam Wright who are hard on the ball, can force penalties yep. in that half. Yeah, like, it, was a, it was a big opportunity for yeah, them. I, I didn't see any benefit in going for a try in the corner because at worst case scenario, it would have drawn things Drawing, up yeah. with a kick from the sideline. So yeah. you would have been better off being two points behind and having both options available yeah. to you with two minutes to go because yeah. yeah. two minutes is a long time in rugby yeah. unless you're back in the scrums. Very much so. <laughs> so 28-23. So the consensus, Brumbies deserve the win? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought Will Miller, the seven, was probably best player on the ground and Lockie McCaffrey was a was a really good selection because he just created havoc everywhere like he didn't have a great influence on the score but his work around the paddock and just getting getting in amongst and slowing the Queensland ball down and that sort of stuff was a really key element of that game I thought and Lalesio I mean the Reds I reckon would have done a lot of homework on 
Bailey Kunzel. And when they picked Lalesio, yeah. they would have had to go back and restart again because yeah. they're very different teams. So, yeah. And Dan McKellar, Brumby's coach, has come out saying that Lalesio would be right at home playing for the Wallabies against the All Blacks. So the first test match is on the 11th of October. Oh. So some of the players, have, some of the players <laughs> have gone. Some of the players have gone home. The rest have gone into camp. Mm. So Mitch Hardy, if you were picking up your starting 15 for the Wallabies based on what you've seen. Who would your 15 be? Right, so I've got it here, Mickey. So it was a tough one because I reckon there's a few gaps around the place and there's a, I've, I've got a couple of Smokies as well because I'm of the view that if you're going to blood blokes, do it now because yep. you've got four test matches and away you go. So I don't think you can go past the Brumbies front row with um, CO being at Alatoa and I think Scott CO is probably a little bit lucky uh, to get the loose head. Um, so who's, who's your front row? CO, Fainga and Alatoa. That's your front row? Yeah. So no no Tupo. Tupo's on the bench. Okay. Yeah. Rob Simmons. God, oh, like that just irks me to have to pick Rob Simmons, <laughs> but I'm sure he's got his positive <laughs> attributes. <laughs> but but I'd probably jet set in Isaac Rodder if I had to. Um, but Simmons is the only one there that's going to be able to um, call a line out and read the defensive line out. So you're going to have to pick him. Um, Lucan Salakailoto to lock up with him. And I'd have the young Jose on the bench to back up. And bring him through. Liam Wright, Michael Hooper, and Pete Samu in the back row. Mm-hmm. In the back row, and I think that's a really combative back row that can get turnovers, but also carry. Um, I'd have McDermott and O'Connor as my halves, mm-hmm. um, with Jake Gordon and Lalesio on the bench. And I'd get rid of Powell. Um, he just doesn't do it for me. I'd have Diaganu and Corabetti on the wings. Mm-hmm. So a bit of flair there. Bit of work to do to get them going, but yeah, I reckon. Centers were the hardest to pick. I thought I'd go with Tamua and Pataya. Um Pataya. If Pataya's fit, obviously. Hunter Pasami is the backup. And my utility back on the bench would be Jack Maddox, because he can play pretty much mm-hmm. 13 and out. And that was a hard one because you can shuffle around Matt Tamua, you can shuffle around O'Connor, you got Lalesio there, so I think you can make that work. If Bataya's not fit, then Hunter Pasami comes straight into the starting 15. Yeah, okay. Not on the bench at all, though, because he's a little bit of a one-trick pony in, yep. in that. He's and, a carrier and a hitter. So. And who's your fullback? Tom Banks. That was the other tough one. I couldn't pick Dane Hallett-Petty. I just, he just didn't do enough for me. You know I'm not a massive fan. But, yeah, Tom Banks, I reckon the All Blacks would find him out through some high balls and all that sort of stuff, they're kicking game, but... Again, I'd, I'd want to have a back three going in this game that can score tries and mm-hmm. light it up, and you'd probably train them in such a way where you're going to play reasonably expansive football and get your wingers involved with Corabetti and those guys, which means Banks just needs to be a link man. Um, on the bench, the backup hooker was really hard to pick. I put Horton in, but he's not happy with that selection, <laughs> so I'm going to go with BPA. I'll put BPA back in. Uh, Tupu, obviously, Jose, I talked about. Pone Famasili would be my Smokey for the prop as the backup, as the second backup prop there. Or Slipper would be the other contentious yeah, one. I, was say, I think they're both tiny. Harry Wilson on the bench, because uh, then you can shuffle your back row yep. accordingly. And then Gordon and Alessio Maddox round it out. So, yeah. And Tess, you've seen a lot of these guys up close this year. Yeah. Are you, are you close to Mitch? We're close, actually. We're close then. I go with the that Brumbies front row as well, but I'll probably start Slips. I think James Slipper. 
I think he he adds a bit more at the beginning of the game. Um, and then someone like Scotty Sierra can probably add a little bit more at the back end of it. Um, yeah, Simo and Salakai Loto have both been probably the two form locks today. I think Matty Phillips um, down at the Rebels will be close as well. Like I'd, I'd just about have him in there. Um, but the problem is then the balance of our back row. Like we need having those jumping options is is going to be pretty tough, especially you know with with an All Blacks team who are very good at defending a line out. Um, and you know the trend of Super Rugby AU where there's hasn't been one line out that's really really stuck their hand mm. up and said that you know they've, they've been consistent throughout the whole competition. So I think it's going to be important to have an extra jumper there. Um, that's why I've gone with um, with the young. Uh, Young six Swinton from New oh, South Wales. He's a thug. I'm gonna get him. Yeah, and that's what. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind the guy who can jump. Out, send him out there to start the biff. He, that's it. He can start it. Hopefully, he'll finish it as well. I'm not sure he'll win the fight against the All Blacks. Yeah, well, that's all. Hopefully, he finishes. It's all right, too. when you're just pushing around the strains, you know, private schoolboy kiddies. <laughs> big back rolls from the Blues. <laughs> um. I like to have it done at nine, though. I think I'd go with Whitey and then bring Tate off the bench, like just having that little bit more experience and a bit of a stronger kicking game um, out there to start the game. For me, anyway, in these first couple of games. Nick, like, Nick White? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, O'Connor and Tamara, yes. You're, they're 10 and 12. Potentially bringing Karevi back into a 13 if he's available to be brought back in from overseas. Um, but if not, I, I really agree with that Pasami or Patea combination, yep. like one one or the other, and one's a it's a like for like swap. Like if if Patea's not fit, which I don't think he will be, then yep. Pasami he, he comes straight in, and he he does the job, and he can shore up that thirteen channel really well. Um, yeah, Corabetti, Dalgunu on the wings. I think they just about pick themselves and been the most consistent throughout the whole Super competition. And fullback, I just can't quite put my my finger down on someone like. Uh, I like the experience of Dano, but he's still coming back from that injury, mm-hmm. so he, he hasn't played as much rugby. Um, Tom Banks doing the when we've been doing the reviews on him, maybe he, he he's very dependent on a team going forward to have success. Yep. So if we're under the pump. There's question marks there. Yep. Um, that's why maybe I think about bringing a Reese Hodge in. Oh. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm going off cuff here. <laughs> Um, just because then he's got that versatility as well. We can move him around if if requires. Uh, and I'm a big fan of some of the big boot being yep. in the back as well. Yep. Um, if I don't have Hodge starting, I, I, I think I go with Maddox and then Hodge on the bench to, to be able to provide that little bit of cover. Um, like, I think just Jack can just provide a little bit more spark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, and you can, you can put him out, like, if it's not working for... If your 15 or your back three aren't working, you can put Maddox anywhere in that back He'll three to, to, to then strengthen it up. Yep. The other thing I played around with too, Mickey, is, the, and this this is where probably an area where Queensland missed a trick, is playing Basami and Patea as a centre pair. Mm-hmm. Like I reckon that's got loads of potential. Yep. And I'd have Basami as my 12 as my hitman. Yep. And mm-hmm. 13 and yep. freeze up Jordan to do what he does best and that's, you yep. know, create havoc in the, in the space. So... You know, so I'd, lo- I'd love to see if Hunter can just develop that short passing game of his and that suppleness of hand. I reckon he's he would be a really good twelve, really good twelve, because he could do the shots when you need him to. He can carry when he needed to, but then he's got to be able to play with the ball. And I think the only thing that kept him kept them out of 
trialing in there or experimenting within there was because Hamish Stewart's defence was so rock solid. Mm-hmm. But Hamish doesn't give you anything at the next level up at all. So, you'd, you know, I mean, he wouldn't even be shortlisted for the Wallabies, I don't think. So, yeah. He's not a pony. Yeah, so I think I think you need a... You could look at that as a long-term centre pairing that if it all went to shit in the Blurzo Cup in the first couple of games, you could go, well, why don't we trial that pairing yeah, okay. at one of the later test matches and see how they go as a combination. But you need some brains around them yeah. to, to help them. And that probably yeah. come from a 15 or a, a 10, a 10. Yep. Yeah, where you'd go for a bit more experience to help them out. Because can you, can you plan things around Jordan Pattaya? Because he seemed a little bit fragile. No. Well, and he, yeah. he, he keeps... Tearing things that and they're different all the time. It's not like he's got an injury. It's like it and that that one the hip flexor. He was just running. Yeah, it was not like he was cold. And it's just pinged on. Gone. Yeah, it's a different in- injury every time. Yeah. So maybe there's a mechanical thing there that they need to resolve, and he maybe he's still growing. I don't know, but it seems to be a different thing every time. I mean, he was cramping up after 60 minutes the previous matches. So there's something fundamentally going. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see. Like, I don't know personally, but how much time he has spent, like, doing a full pre-season, yeah. things like that, because he has had a couple of injuries over the it's past few years, and he's yep. still only quite young, so yeah, yeah. how much time, like, years ago, talking with James Slipper about, um, like, he came onto the scene quite young, and he nearly went eight, nine years straight without actually having a pre-season, he'd play a Wallabies tour, he'd get back, have a little bit of time off, and he's nearly straight into the Super Rugby, like... The, the week-to-week grind straight away and, yep. and uh, the, he, he had an injury a few years back which actually made him miss six to eight months of rugby and he said it was one of the best things for him because he actually got to have a pre-season yeah, like, okay. he got to get his body straight not just because it's, you know it's, we always know it's not just one thing mm. it's two or three things which are kind of hopefully balancing each other out and keeping yourself in equilibrium to keep you on the park yep. but yeah like maybe that's something that that they need to look at to think of Jordan long term like do they need to hold him back a little bit in yeah, some okay. parts to give him an opportunity to develop and yeah. and physically get himself right. Because he can certainly play, and it'd be, oh, a, it'd be a shame yeah. if we don't ever get to see the best of him because he's always broken. And yeah. that's the thing. like We don't know how good he can be yet yeah. either. Like, that's the exciting right. part about watching someone like him. Do you get a bit worried about locks, though? Like, I thought the Brumbies locks were pretty good, but they, don't, they didn't make the 44. Yeah, it was surprisingly that Caden Neville, yeah. like, as, as right. more of an older, older guy as well, like a bit yeah. more mature head. Because um, I'm not sure Salakai Lotto's like he's played better, and he but he's not a back row. He's he's a he's becoming more and more lock every day. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's still not shooting the lights. Out. You wouldn't call him shooting the lights out. Like, yeah. So we still got a we still got a big big lack of depth there, I reckon. But you got guys like that young Frost from the Brumbies is obviously you know going to develop a bit further being in that environment down there and with Neville and those sort of guys. but And Swain was the other one. Yeah, that's that's pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of talent in the lock area mm. at the moment. Yeah, there's just, there's just that big... There's a couple of guys that are, you know, top-notch, but then there's a bit of a um, bit batch. of a gap in between mm. the next, to, to the next level of mm. guys coming through. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop over the next 6 to 12 months. And the question is, with the, the teams that we're going to throw out... Can we can we actually beat the All Blacks, or are we a long way off? I don't think we're going to be that far off. It depends on how, how long Dave Rennie and the Scott Wisemanals are going to need to be able to shape up a bit of a, a game plan or a strategy and how, they, how they're going to maximise the talent they've got as well. So how they're going to play to everyone's strengths and make all that gel into a unit. And, that's, and the All Blacks have got to decide, well, which All Black 15 are we going to pick? Yeah. 
because that's you know you mm. saw from the north south game like there's they've got fifty five players that they can put in a starting fifteen yeah and and then you've got the ITM Cup that's ongoing underneath that at the moment yeah. where you know they're all playing club footy at the moment those blokes they're all you know TJ Perinara's running around for Wellington on the weekend and what have you so there's they're, they're all still going to yeah. be match fit as well yeah they're not they're not cotton cotton wooling these blokes at the moment and saying oh we've got to worry about test number one no just keep playing footy. And we'll we'll prepare when we're ready to prepare. So, mm. yeah, I, I can't see us touching the All Blacks, but I think with a new coach and a new coaching system and some fresh faces in there, and can, everyone's going to be competing for positions. Then a lot of blokes have got nothing to lose. They just need to have a decent crack. And I think, um, like one of the consistent things you hear about New, new Zealand coaches is that they they work to the players' strengths, so they don't like they have an idea of how they want to play. But they don't try to shape each individual to, you know, get that square peg in the round hole for yep. how they mm-hmm. want to play. So they say, these are your strengths. This is how we're going to use your strengths to, to, to win on the weekend. These are your strengths. This is how we're going to bring these strengths together to then, to then go from there and, and hopefully have success. So hopefully that's what, that's the approach that Dave Rennie brings to the group. Like, obviously, he's not going to be able to influence too much and change too much. So it's just, what have I got and how can I bring it together to make it work? And is he going to do any coaching? Dave Apparently, he got his hands dirty the other day. Doing what? So there, was some art, there was some article that said, oh, Dave gets his hands dirty. Really? So I read that. Yeah. I think that was the headline. <laughs> but he's got a cast of thousands helping him out now. Forward, he's got, he's just appointed, um, is it Parling, that Rebels guy? Jeff Parling. Jeff Parling. Is he the forwards coach or the line-out coach? There was three from the Rebels staff that went up there. I thought that strength conditioner, the forwards coach, and someone else. Because they've got a backs coach, a scrum coach. Swords coach, coach well, yeah, coach, managed to get mm. defensive coach, attack coach, and Dave Rennie. Mm. Why is he there? <laughs> Head coach. Driving the bus. <laughs> Don't be a Scotty Johnson, the actual rugby <laughs> <Scott> director. Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> so he is a cast of thousands. Good Lord. Oh, well. To the mailbag and the big signing this week, or the big news this week from the Western Force point of view, is the signing of Tavita Kuradrani. Um, he turns 30 in March. Played 61 tests, 135 Super Rugby games, 28 tries. Good signing or not? Oh, definitely. Well, you'd, you'd say it's a signing that works well for Tavita because he's obviously been at the Brumbies for some time, needed to freshen up. He's not in the Wallaby squad at the moment, so you'd probably think that maybe he didn't get his Wallaby top up this time around as well. And the force were able to give him a, a dollar value that was worthwhile in looking at. But also, he probably needs a bit of a change of environment and a change of scenery to freshen his rugby up as well. So, 13 is a spot that they weren't real strong on this year. Will he add a bit of value there? You'd like to think so, but I'd be hurrying up and signing a decent 10. Yeah, right. As, as the next back yeah, okay. that they need to sign <laughs> pretty quickly because you can have all the you know all the talent in the world out wide, but if, unless you've got someone who can steer the, the ship around the park, then you're going to be struggling. Yeah, and, okay. There's probably a few other spots up front they need to, to look at as well. I mean, the Cole Goldman signing, I mean, he'd already signed with the Waratah, so I don't know what happened there. Yeah, they said it fell through. Yeah, I don't of course know what, it did. Yeah. don't know what that All meant. Right. But now <laughs> he's now he's going to stay in Perth, and he's yeah. obviously they've obviously done that negotiation. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't think Cole had a great super rugby AU. No. But um, people are touting that they could be the centre pairing for the force, but that doesn't incite fear into opposition. But... Again, it depends on the players around. What's around. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, 
England and Saracens lock. It's now it's Mario Itoji. Do you know who says last name? Itoji. Itoji. Apparently, he's he's making a lot of noise about he wants to play abroad. It's all that. He said, I'd like to have a season, couple of seasons abroad. Do you think he might be? He'd be good coming to, to Australia. He's got a bit to see about him. <laughs> do I think? Do I think he might be? <laughs> have you heard anything? I think it'd be great if he did. But just this is very funny. He's put it out very clearly that he, he's looking to play abroad. So is I'm this sure for the next year when they go down to the, the Premiership, they, when they Don't drop some Saracens get relegated. Could be. Could be. Oh, but it's salary cap breaches. Yeah. But if you're an Australian team, we're just talking about needing locks, and you've oh. got a guy like that saying he's he's right. looking to play abroad. Yeah. This he, is kind of abroad. He's the number one lock in the world right now. Yeah. Like if he's not one of the Arguably the best forward in the world right now, so yeah, we want him in our competition, preferably. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be great. He'd be great. What is WA? He's a big physical monster. Like Hodge has spoken to him. Do you know any tests? Have you got any insight? I don't think there's many people he hasn't spoken to. It'd be nice to have maybe on the beaches. It'd be lovely. Um, Charlotte Catholic, probably one of the you know one of the most well-known Australian um, female rugby players, one of the stars of the Australian Sevens program, signed with the Sydney Roosters to play in the NRLW. Starts this week. And it comes just days after her sevens teammates, uh, Aaliyah Green and Ivania Palit, signed with the Warriors uh, after the Olympics was postponed. So, of course, the, we spoke the other week about the sevens series has all been canned. Now you've got these girls going to rugby league. Will they come back? Oh, I think they'll definitely come back. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we know an individual will be ecstatic about having Charlotte Kaslick at Sydney Roosters, Mick, and I know you're a big fan. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Look, is I'd go watch them play rugby league just to yeah. see if they carve up. And yeah. Just you know, in, I'd be great you know, to run watch. right. I'd love to see rugby union female players go to another code and absolutely smash it. Yeah. And just carve it up to show how good of athletes yeah. they are, and then come back to the code because she's she's a good athlete. So and yeah. she can play the game. Yeah. And I, I and so is Ilya Green. Yeah. Like she's she's yeah. a machine. Absolutely. She's a freak. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if they all go to rugby league, carve it up and yeah. show how good female rugby players actually are, yeah. then that's a good advertisement for the game. Yeah, right yeah. And as yeah. long as they're coming back. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I assume she'd be getting, I don't know how much coin the, I don't know how much coins in the league, the women's league, you're not sure what sort of coin they're on with the sevens program, but if that seven program's been cut for the moment because of the Olympics and where the Olympics goes ahead next year, who knows, with England's going pear-shaped with COVID at the moment. So you'd like to think that they will come back, but yeah. it's um, if they get a taste of the mungos and they look after them, yeah, they might think well. It's like the AFL women's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's very much so. Um, now, Rob Clark, the interim CEO of Rugby Australia, was in the papers again this week, generating more, <laughs> some more of his own press, and you'll be happy to know that Rob has announced that he's decided to stay on. He said initially <laughs> said he'd be here for three to six months. More recently said he'll be here till Christmas, but now he's set to stay until at least March. But he's, a sh- he's poured cold water on the prospect of taking the job permanently. But I'm sure there'll be another story in a month or so denying that again. So finding a new CEO hasn't been a priority for Rugby Australia because they reckon there's a lot of issues to deal with. So they've got the, obviously the broadcast deal, which still hasn't come for next year. Um, something about constitutional reform, their cost cutting across the business, finalising the test match schedule, the collective bargaining agreement that's on the horizon to go with the um, player pay cut talks that need to be had. The state government here, they won't make any major decisions in the months leading up to the election because the new government may not want to agree with it. But Rugby Australia, they don't seem to work like that. They're happy to have an interim guy to make all these decisions and then bring someone else in that has to wear them all. Does it, is it backwards or is that just what they have to do at the moment? Oh, Mickey. Um, 
I don't know. I they just they just need to give us something which gives us a little bit of light at the tunnel. I haven't seen anything come out yet that says that they've been able to make any progress on any of the things that they said they're going to be working on. I mean, we had Scott Johnson on here, what, three months ago, four months ago? Yep. And he was talking about having a plan for rugby for Australia. And we still haven't seen that plan. So he's the director of rugby talking about a plan that he's meant to be in charge of, which he won't share with anyone. So apparently there's a plan, but we don't know what it is. He's getting paid a significant amount of money to be in charge of rugby in Australia, and we don't know what he's actually doing other than hanging out with the Wallabies. Um, Rob Clark, meant to be doing broadcast rides. Hamish McLennan was meant to be the panacea of chair people and come in with his big white horse and get that deal done. Still waiting for it. Well, the interesting thing that came out during the week is that they, the Rugby Australia have told all the other bidders that Channel 9 are really interested and 9 have come out and said, we haven't made an offer, we're not interested. So there's, there's spinning a lot of yarns at the moment in there. I mean, they've got nothing. And there's... They've got nothing. Just... But it's very but odd. meanwhile, we're signing players and doing all this. <laughs> what are we signing these players on? Yeah, I don't like, know. You know, like, do the franchises realise that they're signing legitimate contracts here or are they yeah, getting money that they don't have? I don't know how it works. I mean, I'm sure Twiggy can sign whoever he likes because yeah. he's got plenty of cash. He can sign Mario Itoji. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> and his brother Mario. Yeah. I don't know, Nicky. I just don't. When's it all going to happen? I don't know. Well, it's, it's going to happen soon. Because it was nearly October. Hmm. And when's it normally start? February. Well, most guys, most franchises will start their pre-season in November. Before. Correct. Yeah. And they've got guys on contracts that they've extended or re-signed mm. or got existing deals with. So, And then you've got the Wallaby test match is going to be happening. So there's going to be rugby happening. So are we all just honouring on a, on a handshake and a goodwill deal mm. and just hoping it all comes together? <laughs> mm. There'll just be some more stories. It'll be like MacGyver. It all just comes together at the end and just works to treat like the A team. You know, I love it when love it when <laughs> comes together. <laughs> yeah. He's and Rob Clark's, Rob Clark's our George Papard. <laughs> yeah, no, see, you've lost me now. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be, there'll, I'm sure there'll be another article with yeah. another photo, another photo of Rob Clark in the paper, another story about himself. It's um, extending. Quite, oh, yeah, denying, <laughs> no, denying, the, denying that he's been asked to. Extent. It's unbelievable. Now, while the Wallabies continue to carry on with their massive squad just to train and not take the opportunity to play a possibles be probables, the South Africans have announced a Springbok showdown on October 3 that's Team Gold playing Team Green. And I think that'll be a ripper. Yeah, they have the schoolyard pick. Two groups of 25 players selected from a group of 60. Right on. To get out there and play against each other. How well, good's that? Dub the showdown yeah, as well. Be, come on. This is selling so itself here. It's fantastic. I like how they just call them gold and green. Yeah, that's what we, that's what we could have done. We could have done the same thing. Team gold, team green. They've got team commissioners. They've got coaches. Russie's the big commissioner of it all. Yep. Yeah, shut it. Great. That sounds like something that you know, Scott Johnson would take yeah. over here. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so they'll the pick. captains? Have they got captains? They, uh, the captains I think it's the coaches that the, the coaches, coaches are going to pick. Yeah. Do you reckon the fat kid's going to get picked last? Well, they did say it's like a schoolyard <laughs> pick. But isn't, isn't that the beauty of rugby? The fat kid gets picked first. Yeah, that's yeah, right. You want those two heads first? Because I just think that's such a wasted opportunity for the Australians. Because that that South African game will generate an enormous amount of interest yeah. around the world, not just yeah. there. And if we did the same thing here with this group of players, did the possibles, probables to name the fifteen for the first test. 
Yeah. The old school, and it'd be yeah. just fantastic. Keep throwing it out there, Mickey. Mate, it'd, be like, it'd be like a big brother as well. You can so, send your votes in. Exactly, yeah. You'd win a prize if you'd be the guy you'd New Zealand's done. So New Zealand's done first. They've done the North South. South Africa's now done it. Yep. We still went down. And we're sitting here going, oh, we're in camp at the Hunter Valley. Exactly. And here's a photo of Rob Clark. <laughs> actually that is nice say it that way we're in wine country that's just it's so Australian rugby isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is that's ridiculous but in Clubland things are swinging along merrily that's where the real world's going on and um, Mitch in Perth it's it's coming to an end I think we've got one yeah, one last, round left last round this weekend of the no. Fortescue Premier Grade um, and things are hotting up it's all going to custard for Cottesloe they've just come off two losses in a row yeah. after just Wheels going falling off you know, the the short favourites since round one and they've just gone and lost to Junior Light Brothers last weekend, thirty wow. to twenty five. So the wheels are off the seagulls wow. and they've got the wobbles. Um Southern Alliance had a win over Perth Bayswater and Southern Alliance haven't had the greatest of seasons, so it's good for them to get the chocolates there. UWA finally got a win, Mickey. They were slipping down the ladder big time. They got a win over the Calamunda Bulls. That was good for them, twenty six seventeen. They love the wet the uni boys. Yeah, Pally had a not a, you wouldn't call it a convincing win because Arcs have been struggling 31-0 Pally stays in the top four with that win uh, the match of the day was down at the foreshore it was terrible conditions down there they could have done with a hooker down there he, the netties um, 24 points to 17 um, West didn't probably deserve to win but they hung in there hung in there Netties didn't use the gale force breeze as best as they could in the first half and West got up 24-17 which pretty much knocks Netties out for the uh, top four well Associates 127 to 3 against the Coastal Cavaliers. That's ridiculous. Cavs. They've got to be better than that. And the uh, the Rude Dogs got up over Curtin Uni. So that makes the ladder. Soaks creep to the top of the ladder now well, with the two losses. Oh, percentages. Big four and against. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their four and against has gone through the roof. They're on 50 points, one point clear of Cotter's So they're still one and two, those blokes. Yeah. Pally's on 44. They'll, they'll shore up that third spot. And then Wes are on 41. I can't see them losing um, their spot either because the last round, pretty much all the top season, top grades have got easy games. Junilub's got the Cavaliers. Nendy's got the Bulls. Cott's got Arcs. Soak's got Southern Lions. West have got Basie. UWA's got Curtin, so they'll win that. And um, Pally's got Monaroo. So yeah, right. we should all just go with the favourites. Maybe I can smell an upset there with, yeah. for Basie finishing strong over the top of West Garbs. And maybe them. to get us through the finals. <laughs> Couple of ring-ins. So, yeah, so that, that top four should settle itself, um, which will make interesting finals because Pally's always a bit of an unknown. I reckon Wes might be a bit of a smoky yeah, to right. sneak in there, I reckon. Yep. Um, Shoot Shield, Gordon had their first loss. Of yeah. The What's going on there, um, Mitch? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just that stability thing, you know. Is the rev up game on Friday it, night? It, it, it was. <laughs> Coach was a bit distracted. <laughs> They've had a few changes, changes in their personnel lately. So, but that's okay. They, they've got the, they'll get things back on track. They got still, a buffer. They got a buffer. They're still top. they're still on top of the table. Mm. Yeah, they're on top by a point over Norse. And how many and, weeks? And everyone's starting to back Norse. I think there's about three or four weeks to yeah, go. Okay. Plenty of time. But that's a really late finish. Yeah, um, it is. Um, for the shit shield comps, so Eastwood, mate. They're the other smoky. Yeah. The third spot in the ladder, softly, softly with the the I'm, woods, I'm mate. Strong. Ramick, Sydney Uni, East. They're all making up the top six. East had a good win over Sydney Uni, Heath. Oh, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, there's another oh, that, one there. Well, that just was East, East, East. had. Um, was that that weekend? Was it? No, it was a weekend before. Sorry, mainly. They, they, they beat Manly, though, which is a good win. Just starting to creep up. Yeah. Hopefully, 
Yeah. Quick at the right time. The Wicks beat Sydney. That's who beat yeah. Sydney. We always love Sydney lose. So the big games this week, <laughs> uh, North over Southern District. So North shouldn't slip up against those blokes, but you never know. Ramick and Manly would be a good game. Uh, and Gordon Sydney Uni. So yeah, Gordon okay. can't afford to start losing consecutive games. So, hmm. yeah. And in Queensland, Heath? Queensland, it was, it was a bit of a... Um, Bit of a mismatch round actually last weekend. The the Tigers had a good win over Sunnybank, thirty six to twelve. The only the closest game of the round was West and Jeeps with uh, with West Nove having the best clubhouse anyway and in all of Brisbane Club Rugby getting the win over the boys from Jeeps. It's a good, club, field, a good clubhouse. Yeah, it's been I mean it's been fixed up. It's a great spot. Yeah. We've got the regatta just up the road as well. Yeah. I mean that's how they attract people there. Like the rugby's horrible. But <laughs> <laughs> West play, I think West play East this weekend. Is it? Yeah. Battle of the compasses, hey? Mm. The opposite points on the compass. We've got uh, the Filth beat beat Souths, and Souths are in a world of hurt. They've lost 63-5. to five. And, and the mighty Red Heavies got up over North 39-0. It was uh, it was close to a uh, close to a clean sweep there for uni with just our second grade team going down, I believe. So they've got th- three or four weeks to go with that one as well, Heath. What do you reckon? Everyone's saying the Tigers have been the most consistent team, but experience says everything so you reckon UQ will just slowly just sneak up and sneak up and they'll be oh, they're, not, they're not just sneaking up they're coming second like I think they it was a close game as well which when East played uni a few weeks back about a month back now it was a pretty close game yeah, it was wet though so you never know yeah, yeah. Well, we don't like students that like it right. East, East UQ final could be good mm. that's what we're tipping anyway they're one and two right now so it's easy it's easy for us to tip that but I think oh Brothers, it'll depend. Brothers will get there. They're always there or thereabout. They'll be challenging. Mm. It'll be whoever wins that first final because the Brisbane Comp have their one and two, then play three and four. So, yeah, one and two. Then number prelim. one goes straight through to the final. Yeah, the week off. yeah so yeah. you, you want to have that first week off. Yeah. So a few weeks left in Sydney and Brisbane and this weekend the last home and away game in WA and all matches kicking off at half past three. Well, that'll do us. We're going to take a break to celebrate the end of the Super Rugby AU season, but we'll be back to keep you up to date and hopefully entertain during the Rugby Championships. So thanks, Mitch, for um, what we've done so far this year. It's been good fun. Yeah, it's been really good, mate. We've churned out all the episodes. We've had really good guests across yeah, the year. 995 Facebook oh, members. Really? We didn't quite crack the 1,000. <laughs> Five short. And, and here's a little bit. I mean, it's just one. El, a guy called Elton Yentes joined, joined us today. Yeah. So we have got the following. And I know got a lot of people replay a lot of the episodes when they're in, doing their drives and getting around the place. So um, all the episodes are on there. You can tune in any time. They're all relevant. They're all good chats. So um, it's been great to have a whole variety of guests across the, the season. Yeah. And Tess, thanks to you. It's been um, good having an inside knowledge. It's been terrific. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, looking forward to getting back into it once the, uh, once the international season kicks off. Maybe Elton Yanchi's on as our first guest. Getting on as our first guest, <laughs> exactly. And thanks to Elmstock for their terrific support, thetelecomshop.com. And most of all, thanks to you for tuning in, and we'll catch you soon on the Rugby Wrap. <laughs>